Coming up on This Week in Games, Netmarble putting together a bid for Nexon, Apple investigates their own subscription service, and GameStop loses a quarter of its value almost overnight. Coming up, This Week in Games. that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown i'm your host eric mcconnell and last week we had a pretty mixed bag of news so let's get started apple is investigating a subscription service of their own not to be left in the bus by google's project stream microsoft's project xcloud amazon's project kill all margins in the video game industry and whatever the hell ea is doing apple is investigating offering a gaming subscription service of their own this is reported by Cheddar, who I frankly don't know who or what Cheddar is, but I'm sure they're credible. <laughs> um, reported by Cheddar, five anonymous developers have leaked Apple's big plan to offer a library of games for a subscription fee. When five developers anonymously tip off something, generally that means I guess Apple went to them and said, hey, would you give us your game library for this amount of money? And they did it to enough developers that the developers thought it was cool to leak the information. <laughs> All right, let's start off. There's so many issues with this. First, iOS users are way too used to free-to-play games and not having to pay for anything. The perceived value of anything in mobile games is the digital items and premium currencies in those free-to-play games. Premium games are rarely seen as valuable, and there's really a small number of premium games that people want, and most of those people have already bought those premium games. And even worse, most of those premium games actually only cost $1 to $5. The upper, upper, upper echelon of premium games on iOS, maybe $10, maybe a $15 game, maybe. I think I paid $15 for uh, the Final Fantasy Tactics port on iOS, but that's the upper echelon. Yeah, it's not good. So I guess the target who would want these premium games for a subscription fee already buy them. Or, like, the subscription fee has to be super cheap. I mean, we're talking $10. If you charge a subscription fee for $15 for iOS premium games, what are you doing? You know, because most of them are like $4.99, $2.99. You could already just buy every game that you could get off the subscription and then keep it for free. The other problem is, is let's say they don't get the, go the premium game route and they go the premium currency route. So let's say they contact Zynga, they contact King, they contact Tencent, they contact, you know, Pocket Gems or whoever, um, Glue, and they work it out so that you get for $10 a month, $15 a month, you get whatever premium currency and whatever these games are. The issue is, is Generally, someone only gets attached to one type of game, and most of the time, they spend in that in one game of that genre and play the other ones when they're bored. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're addicted to Candy Crush. You play Candy Crush, whatever. You spend real money in Candy Crush, okay? When you run out of energy in Candy Crush and you're not ready to desperate buy or in-app purchase, then you go off and you play uh, can or soda saga whatever it's called i don't know the other one or you play the zynga match three or you play puzzles and dragons right 
but you don't really spend in those games as much as you spend in your main game. And then even worse, if they went this premium route, the premium currency would spread across all genres. And there's not really an overlap between someone who's like addicted to Clash of Clans and someone who's addicted to Candy Crush Saga. I mean, maybe at the upper, upper, like all the top 10 grossing games, there's a bit of an overlap. But once you go into the, you know, second tier, third tier, you know, of all these big publishers, there's very little overlap between players who would actually play those games and play other games that are on the second or third tier by the big publishers. So the premium currency route is just a mess. You know, I get the appeal to become a content aggregator, kind of like the Netflix status, you know, you're inflating your company's value through engagement stats and subscription numbers, and you're making those numbers go up, reporting on those numbers, and you're not reporting on raw profits, you know. So it's a good play. So for those who don't know, outside of the video game industry, Apple's decided not to announce their iPhone sales numbers and instead kind of like announce daily active users and monthly active users on iPhone and then kind of announce the sales of their services. And the way that the reason they're doing that, because obviously iPhone sales growth has, is stagnant and the number of iPhones sold is likely to go downhill, whereas their services is kind of like, I mean, it's been taking off for like five to 10 years, but it's really not hit its peak. So it looks like growth. And, you know, this keeps up the stock value. So what a company like Netflix does is they hide, you know, they never really like highlight profit. And if they give profit, it's always very suspicious when you run the numbers in your head of how much they're spending on content and how much they claim they made in profit. But Netflix and these other companies that do aggregation services, they're all about growth. And so Netflix can always say like, oh, more people are watching Netflix than ever. Bird Box, everyone on all of Netflix watched it, 45 million people. It was the most watched movie of whatever. And so on and so on. And so Apple, if they get into this game subscription service, they can get you off of thinking, oh, no one's buying iPhones. And they can go, look, exponential growth in our subscription platform for games. Look at all the engagement stats and subscribers and kind of like push aside whether this is actually pushing out like significant raw profits or not. All right. So I just ranted on that. That being said... All of this negativity goes out the window if Apple's actually kind of like has a new digital platform under wraps. And who knows? They're going hard in AR. That's basically been confirmed at this point. And, you know, Apple is a very, very, very good device company. And more so than probably Google or probably Amazon or I would have said Microsoft 20 years ago, but. I guess Microsoft can do game consoles. I think Apple, if they really went into a game console, it would be at least the very best looking game console of all time. It would have amazing UI. It would feel amazing to touch. I'm sure the controller would be something ridiculous. So, hey, maybe Apple's approaching all these companies and they're really uh, targeting like some kind of $100 lightweight console. I don't know, but... Uh, for now, Apple, I hate to say it, stay in your lane. Don't offer a game subscription service, especially if it's just aggregating premium iOS games. Probably not good. All right, next up. Netmarble is forming a consortium to build bid for Nexon. So I announced this a few weeks ago, and then I confirmed it 100% last week. The CEO of Nexon, who holds 98 point something percent of all of Nexon stock, is looking to cash out and sell off the company. 
Netmarble is looking to keep Nexon in South Korea by coming up with a $9 billion price tag for controlling interests in the company. Netmarble is forming a consortium of local Korean businesses to raise that hefty price tag. And really, this is a second serious bid after Kakao Games. Kakao being South Korea's top chat app made a bid last week. So what does this mean? Ironically, (laughs) I will say one of the other companies that has kind of been predicted to have interest in this purchase is Tencent. And I say it ironically because I because Tencent actually holds significant interest in both companies. So it holds a little over 17% interest in Netmarble and a little under 7% interest in Kakao. Both Netmarble and Kakao pretty much have stated that the whole reason they're doing this is to keep Nexon in South Korea because Nexon represents... I think they're the largest, I don't know, don't quote me, maybe second largest publisher um, and kind of game owner in all of South Korea. Don't quote me, um, but I think they're way up there. And they say, you know, it's just super important to competition and competitiveness of the South Korean game industry if they keep kind of Nexon in South Korea. But interesting, they haven't said they're willing to join forces yet to produce a bid that would actually, you know, outright buy the company. We'll see. Other firms interested or potential buyers that either speculation or leaked are gaming giant EA, Tencent, and then strangely Activision. I guess it's not so strange. Activision bought out King and Disney. Disney's a stranger one. Disney historically has really never succeeded in first-party game studios, so... I don't know, probably not a good idea for them to get back in the game with the $9 billion purchase. But it's pretty interesting. Again, I argue Nexon is extremely overpriced considering they're a two-game company. Those two games mean MapleStory and Dungeon and & Fighter. And those two games look very dated and old. MapleStory, <laughs> the original one, is basically a shitty Flash game, guys. I hate to say it. I'm sorry. If you like MapleStory, good for you. It's terrible, Okay. And Dungeon Fighter, that was a really novel idea in like, I don't know, 2000. I don't even, I don't know when Dungeon Fighter came out because I, I first played it in 2009. And even in 2009, when I first played it, it felt like a game from 2001. So again, these are very dated and old games. I think outside of the two existing bidders, the only other company really that makes sense to purchase it is Tencent. Why, you ask? Because Tencent is a sole publisher for Dungeon Fighter and MapleStory in China, so they might as well own the whole piece of the pie. Why give some of it up? I'm sure both those games, a significant portion of their profit comes from China. It'll give Tencent, you know, more of a foot in the door in South Korea, and Tencent kind of already has their tentacles in a bunch of South Korean companies anyway, so probably makes sense for them to buy it. But again, you know, they win-win if Netmarble... Let's say ends up buying it, Tencent and 17% net marble. Kind of works out for them anyways. All right. On to like, uh, I guess, news that won't surprise anyone, but is still pretty sad. So news, GameStop is basically giving up on life. No, that's not the actual story, but GameStop has given up on its search for an acceptable buyer. The company released a statement on this, and I quote, GameStop's board has now terminated efforts to pursue a sell of the company due to lack of available financing on terms that would be commercially acceptable to a prospective acquirer. 
I don't think acquirer is an actual word. I could be wrong. Um, that's pretty grim. <laughs> so basically what GameStop's saying is they try to sell the company outright. No one could give them a serious bid. And anyone who was interested in the company couldn't get financing for the buy, meaning that the people lending the money wouldn't let anyone dumb enough to buy GameStop actually be lent the money because they knew they would never get the money back and it would end up bankrupt. That's miserable. And when news of this hit the stock market, it sent GameStop stock off a cliff and it dropped 25% in value, losing a quarter of the company kind of overnight from one statement. You know, maybe it's a strategy. Maybe they're trying to drive the stock price down so they can, I don't know, who knows. All right. Other news, GameStop is going hard into fans and collectibles and toys. So I said this before, I've commented on GameStop a lot. I think things like this and like things like collectibles and toys and stuff and maybe turning the bigger GameStop stores into some kind of amateur esports league where people would like come and build a community and stuff. I think that'll slow their demise. You know, they really need to focus on local community, making GameStops the physical community, especially for things like fighting games, which would probably be easy to set up like a weekly 20-person tournament, hold it at GameStop, kind of stream at Twitch, make GameStop your like amateur theater league and other esports leagues. I mean, that just makes sense to me, people. And also, you know, what they're doing with fans and collectible Fan collectibles and toys, physical items need to be where they're at. Really, the problem with GameStop and the kind of grim future for all big box retailers is they've been selling games for $60 forever, right? And they got a cut of $60 and whatever. Inflation went up. $60 didn't mean what $60 is anymore. And also, everyone's digitally buying games now. And so you're not having as many people go to these stores. And then even worse digital only games like you know a lot of releases on steam or releases that are like in the $20 range on the PlayStation network or switch shop GameStop doesn't get a cut of any of those and then the whole PC market is like no one buys physical PC games that's all digital now more people are buying digital console games the real killer so just before we even get into this all the game sales are going digital no one's buying $60 games. They're a little trick of like kind of like turning a brand new game into a $55 used games where they can kind of make double profit off games. That doesn't work anymore. That was their whole bread and butter business. Shady as fuck. Doesn't work anymore. The real killer is they don't get anything from in-app purchases. And, you know, they have no negotiating power. They shouldn't negotiate this shit like, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, they should have saw the writing on the wall that physical games wouldn't be kind of valuable. And they should have said like, hey, you have to track whenever a games game sold at GameStop and you give us like 2% of all in-app purchases from that game. And we'll promote your game and something, something, something. But the true value of games now is through in-app purchases. Those 2% of wells for every major game add the majority of value for games. I think someone did a, I don't remember who, someone did research and basically said, games these days should cost $125 if we were to get rid of in-app purchases. But no one will pay $125 or $175 for a game. 
And so everyone pays $60, and then some super fan of the game pays $1,000. And if there's enough super fans paying $1,000, the game becomes profitable, right? GameStop doesn't get any of that super fan money, and that's the real killer. So I, I don't have an answer for them. I really like the eSports League thing. I really like physical meetups. Maybe get involved in the game developer community. Obviously, selling physical goods will get you so far, but, you know, little pop idol figurines and stuff like that for $5 a pop. That's not getting you anywhere. So, yeah, things are grim for the big box retailer stores around the world. But you got to pivot. You got to evolve. You can think of something. Obviously, no one's going to buy you and bail you out of uh, the problem yourself. So, Figure it out, GameStop. You got it. Next up, some little acquisitions. Unity acquires Vivox, a voice-to-text service. So Unity said Vivox will continue to operate as an independent firm, but key leadership will work out of Unity. Vivox is kind of voice-to-text. So if I say something in the microphone, like, hey, everyone, go to the red point or something. I don't know. Whatever. It translates that to text on the screen. Vivox boosts 100 million monthly active users, that's pretty impressive, and has been utilized in top games like Fortnite, PUBG, and League of Legends. Now this is a very interesting acquisition, because it could mean a lot. Unity natively supporting voice-to-text is a very sweet and great move for accessibility. I don't think anyone's going to argue making games more accessible and then making it so developers don't have to implement that accessibility themselves. Perfect. It's win-win for everyone. The other interesting part is that this is a step towards voice-driven games on Unity or Unity kind of like basically natively producing games on Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa. That could be pretty interesting, but don't get too excited. I think there's a ton of intent driving technology, like what is the intent of the voice? What are they trying to say? And there's a whole slew of like developing for these platforms and other features to support virtual assistants, but you never know. This could be a first step towards that, and that's kind of like a one pasture Unity doesn't natively support right now, so you never know. Next up, NetEase takes a minority stake in Quantic Dream. I don't know. This isn't very exciting, but uh, David Cage, and you know, every time I read or see the name David Cage or hear it, all I can think about is uh, the escapist... Um, doing if you haven't seen the escapist doing um what's the escapist thing called oh sorry guys i have to look this up zero punctuation i'm so sorry guys you need to look up zero punctuations review of detroit become human oh my god you will never see the words or the name david cage the same ever again all right back to the story sorry little tangent it's worth your time. Go look that up. NetEase takes a minority stake in Quantit Dream. So David Cage and Guillaume de Fondemir. I didn't say your name right at all. Sorry, dude. Um, they're kind of the head honchos and co-founders of the studio. And they're getting some cash flow via the giant Chinese giant publisher. And they claim they're going to use it to a launch on all platforms, not just Sony. So Quantit Dream's most recent game, like I just said, it's Detroit Become Human. It's a story-driven kind of Android trope fest. Like, what is love? I'm an Android. And they're very well known for other trope-driven story <laughs> games like Heavy Rain and uh, Beyond Two Souls. 
I kind of expect to see more of this from NetEase going in the future. So NetEase has only gotten one, like, Chinese history RPG out since the great uh, China lockdown on game licenses. I start to expect to see Tencent and NetEase go heavy in foreign markets because at this point, that's all they can do. They can't, uh, they can't get these games out in China, so they need to start figuring out how to leverage, you know, what they have in other markets. So good for you, NetEase. I guess Quantic Dream, good for you for kind of releasing on probably Switch and Xbox platforms. Good all around, people. All right, let's end with some bad news because that's just how we roll on here. Machinima closes. So Machinima started 19 years ago from home movies. You know, my first memory of them really was <laughs> the Diary of a Camper series. I think it was a Quake series. And it was like kind of like a trolley like thing about like camping, the mind of a camper. I I think, I don't know about you guys. I think they blew up with Red versus Blue. That's when I remember like tons of other gamers talking about machinima stuff is the red versus blue series it was from halo they would do funny little skits because you know when you played original halo like team matches there was always a red guy and a blue guy and they kind of blew up with the arrival of youtube they were probably one of the biggest kind of like gaming satire and uh yeah you know pop culture gaming shows channels on youtube the other cool one is uh i remember g4's show portal heavily had uh machinima stuff i don't know it might have been all machinima stuff but uh that was cool too i mean i wasn't the biggest fan of machinima as you can tell but i knew lots of people loved it but let's see where this went wrong well machinima started (laughs) this doom process by letting them get acquired by warner brothers so they sold themselves to warner brothers in 2016 the issue is Warner Brothers was then acquired by AT&T in 2018. And the problem with that is AT&T already owned Otter Media. And Otter Media already was struggling to be profit when they had a large collection of gaming and kind of nerd and pop culture stuff and anime stuff. I think Crunchyroll is under Otter Media. Um, and frankly, there just wasn't enough room, according to them, for Machinima and other things that are very similar, like Rooster Teeth Productions. So... Sad, 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 sad day. Otter Media shutting them down. 81 employees had to be laid off. And kind of it's sad to see an OG grassroots crew at Machinima shut down. And again, very OG. These guys started doing home movies, cut themselves of video games, and then they do funny voiceovers over it. Like, you know, not in it for the money, only in it for the lulls. Great run, guys. 19 years. Not many people can say that. You should be proud of yourselves. I hope you got a payday when you sold to Warner Brothers. And uh, sorry to see you go, but uh, hopefully you'll do something great next time. All right, everyone. That's it. I'm Eric McConnell. Join me next week for another episode of This Week in Games. I'll see you guys later.